The views and opinions expressed in Media Litter Sandwich do not reflect on the views of the network, station, studio, website, sponsors, guests, hosts themselves, anyone or anything else associated or even not associated with this podcast. Maybe not even the person that said them. In other words, do your own research and do not sue anyone over what is said on the show. No, I actually fall back on like an old joke that I heard from my grandfather. Every time he like stubbed his toe like on a coffee table, he'd like yell in pain and he'd be like, did you see that? The damn thing jumped out at me. (laughs) Welcome to Media Litter Sandwich. I am Toden and of course Media Litter Sandwich is found on Toden.com and MediaLitterSandwich.com. Oh wait, that's right, I did change the name. It's technically Toden's Media Litter Sandwich. Why? Because there's a Patreon. So if you go to Patreon and look up Toden on Patreon, you can support my other video projects and the podcast, and if you really want to be the first person to listen, you can go ahead, go over to Patreon, and get episodes for anyone else, or you can go to DV Radio on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time and listen to the stream on there, which come out almost a whole week earlier than the podcast version, and I'm in the chat room, so I'm hanging out there with all the DVs um, and the audio format. And speaking of DVs and dysfunctional veterans, uh, you and I have something in in Cayman. In common. Why is that happening? I can't pronounce anything anymore. We have something in the Cayman Islands together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's munching on the crayons. That's what it is. Crayons and the Caymans in common. Mm -hmm. Common. Yeah, I got it. Uh, Adam, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, you don't have to tell me what your day job is, but why are you on the show? Uh, because you asked me to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to talk and hang out. Yeah. Now, you, had a cool, uh, um, you had a cool job in the military, and, yeah. and it's definitely something I like to peck around a little bit here. Okay, yeah. So um, my name is Adam, uh, and I, was, I served in the Marine Corps for uh, just under five years. I actually got out early into the, you know, when they were cutting people. Uh, I actually enlisted as um, what back then was the 4600 career field. Um, I've been told that it's actually merged with public affairs uh, to become ComStrat, communication strategies. Uh, But I used to be a 4671 combat videographer. Uh, Mm -hmm. They used to call us combat camera. Combat camera. Yeah. So have you, you don't have to tell me any details, but how close to combat have you been? Um, I got close once, and it was actually kind of a funny story. Are, are you holding a video camera, photo camera? Yeah, video camera. Okay. Full so, size, like, like thing, or a GoPro, or? Um, I think it was a Sony HVR 170. Okay. So it was it was a full size, you know. So for people who don't know, it's a camcorder. It does it's not a huge one, so it doesn't go on your shoulder, mm-hmm. but it, it's a big one in your hand, so yeah. 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 So I had a little monopod underneath it. Video version's different than the audio version because we are totally talking with our hands so much right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um but this was back in uh two thousand eight when mm-hmm. I was overseas. Um and I had a... Where were you at? Um, so this one instance of combat was mm-hmm. in northern Iraq uh, out by Sal Sinjar, if you know where that is. I don't, but someone will. I fell geography. 
I don't think Sal Sinjar was the name of the town. I think that may have been the name of the forward operating base. Okay. Uh, we called it Salsajar because that's what it sounded like. <laughs> so I was in Salsajar, and uh, I was actually with um, 1st Recon Battalion. And they had set up their little checkpoint and, you know, with like the the little S-shape of concertina wire mm-hmm. uh, and all that stuff. And they were just checking local vehicles. Um, and this one vehicle starts barreling down the uh, the alleyway, if you want to call it that. Uh, and everybody starts freaking out. Um, and so, of course, like this was a question that came up for us in film school is like, at what point do we put down our camera and put pick up a rifle? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they always told us like, hey, you are the commander's eyes and ears. So you have to be one of the last people along with the cooks and the admin clerks to pick up your rifle. So, <clears throat> I, you know, I kept my camera trained on the action. Um, and this, uh, they start going through the escalation of force. Um, and this vehicle just wasn't stopping until they shot out, like, the engine block. And it's, like, four men inside. And they all get out and they start, you know, freaking out. And... I picked up the story through the translator. What would happen was there were three men riding in the car, giving directions to the blind driver. Uh, um, okay, yeah. I totally believe the story, but I, I don't. I don't understand. So why was the blind driver driving? No idea. Okay, but he was driving. Right. So if you're familiar with like the escalation of force or what it was back then, there was like. A, like a five-step process before you could actually like take a kill shot on someone. Right. So you you first had to use like hand signals and then pop a flare and then do a warning. Try to shout at them. Yeah. Of course, the words they teach us aren't necessarily the correct ones. Yeah. So so we made it all the way through like level four. Like the next step would have been to, you know, put rounds downrange on these guys. Um, Thankfully, like they stopped when they're, you know, engine block went out and they get out and they were deeply, deeply sorry, but they did like our fireworks. That's what, the, that's what they told the translator is like, they're really sorry. They didn't stop, but they did like our fireworks. <laughs> Next time we'll use tracers just for you. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Uh, so that was the closest that I, I personally yeah. got. Um, outside of that, most of what my job entailed, um, was documenting, um, the aftermath, Mm -hmm. you know? So unfortunately I did see the aftermath of a lot of like explosions and dead bodies and stuff like that. Um, and this would go in like the stars and stripes or, or Marine Corps. No, no. Um, Um, so that was actually a distinction, um, between combat camera and public affairs, Okay. So public affairs was external facing and combat camera was internal facing. Mm-hmm. So all of our docu- all of our document and imagery uh, was archived at the Pentagon after it served whatever purpose. Um, but that was the way it was, it was explained to us at film school was that we were the eyes and ears of the commanding officer. So, you know, theoretically they can't be everywhere at once. So we would go out and document what their Marines were doing for whatever reason um, and then turn around and give them you know, photos, videos, graphic art. Someone's got to archive it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, about 30% of what we did was ceremony coverage Mm -hmm. for promotions, change of uh, command or whatever. Um, And then, you know, the other part of it was just 
you know, documenting daily life, anything going on, any specific missions that they want to know about but can't be there for. Um, so that's what we did. Um, so you did mention you pick up rifle before cooks do, which is interesting to me because um, the field cooks, I've always heard they got a ton of action because those were the guys that constantly, because I know when I was overseas, um, the field cooks, uh, a lot of times their jobs would be taken over by, as soon as it was able to be taken over by someone else, um, they were taken over. And then these guys were just on working party, <clears throat> doing security, doing uh, um, doing convoys. Standing duty. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of funny when someone says like, eh, I would never mess with a field cook. And not just because they might put something in my food. Um. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that was just what, um, like looking back to uh, film school, I went to the defense information school, DENFOS, at uh, Fort Meade, Maryland. And that was always one of like the biggest questions that we got um, because we were an all-service school and we also trained Marines at three different career levels. So while you had like um, like your, your baseline trainees, like your E1s through three, uh, you know, who were just doing regular like first-time training, and then you had, uh, you know, the fours and fives who were coming in, and then you had staff and COs. So... You always had the junior Marines asking the fours, fours and above, hey, what's the fleet like? Like, that was the biggest question. And that was, in my class, because we were an all-service school, I had two Navy instructors, an Air Force instructor, uh, an Army instructor, and a Marine instructor. So we had five instructors. And, of course, um, my class actually had five Marines in it. So, of course, when we had a question, we went and asked Sergeant so-and-so. I don't remember his name. Um and that was one of the questions is like, hey, at what point, you know, because our training is a little bit differently than the other branches, at what point do we put down our camera and pick up a rifle? And that's what he told us is like, you have to be one of the last ones alongside, you know, the admin clerks and the cooks and, you know, one of the last people because you're serving that other purpose of being the eyes and ears of commander officer. So after the Marine Corps, um, did you do camera work afterwards? Uh, yes and no. I, um, I came back to Michigan, um, and that's where I met my, uh, For those that don't know, yes, we're in Detroit, Michigan, filming at the wonderful Foundation Studio in the Foundation Hotel in downtown Detroit, and I can see TCF Center right through a big window that you cannot see. Um, TCF Center, of course, is formerly known as Coba Hall. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> But it's it's okay if you awesome. want to offer like a sponsorship, like we'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I need it. Um, and if you yourself can't afford to sponsor, you can always go over to Patreon. Or you know what the big the biggest help is always just sharing. That's the biggest help is always just sharing the podcast, sharing the video, sharing the information, telling people where you got it from. You know that that's that's always the biggest help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so once I got out, um, mm. and I met my wife, you know, we were just dating at the time. Um, well, you know, I eventually, <laughs> I, um, I didn't take leave. Like I hardly took any leave in four and a half years in the Marine Corps. Cause you could sell it back. Which is exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. But you know, that takes time. So it wasn't until like a year after I got out that I got this like giant paycheck from the government. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went out and bought her engagement ring. Uh, that's what I spent my money on. Um, so once we got engaged and started saving up for a wedding, 
Um, you know, I reached a point where I just wasn't happy uh, doing whatever it was I was doing at the time. I don't even remember. Um, but she was like, hey, why don't you do something you really like? Uh, so I, after we got married, uh, I went to film school. Um, no, actually, I, uh, I graduated right before we got married. A little lost on my own timeline. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It happens. I went to uh, film school at the Motion Picture Institute here in Michigan. Um, great school. Mm-hmm. I really loved it, um, especially because I learn by doing, and that's how they teach is, by, is with hands-on education on set. Um, so, again, not sponsored, but if, you ever, if you're interested in film school, highly recommend the Motion Picture Institute. Absolutely. I, I've, I, I've had other people on that went there, and I've definitely worked with people that went there. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a good place. Not a university, but it, it's a good film school. Cause yeah. I, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it takes I had about a year. students that went there and then afterwards went to university where I was teaching. Yeah. Um, but then again, hey, I, also, I went to Specs. So, mm-hmm. you know, went to Specs and then... After I uh, after I got laid off from the radio station I was at, then I went to a university to get an actual degree. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's you know it, it, it you know there's a point where you go to a trade school and you're like you know what even if I can't make it at least I got to play around with something I really enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's exactly what I used my GI Bill mm-hmm. for was to do something that I was passionate about. I got to you know learn how to tell the stories I wanted to tell rather than just documenting someone else's stories. Mm. Um, you know, which which is fun in its own light, but it's not you know your own creation. Yeah. Um, so after I graduated film school, uh, I actually fell back into the routine of like delivering pizzas. Um, and then one day I'm at work and one of my coworkers is like really excited that he was made like a partner in this business. And I was like, hey, you're 40 years old and excited about being a pizza delivery guy. F that. I I am getting the heck out of here. Yeah. And so I found a job where I could put my, you know, film expertise to work. um, And I actually wound up uh, teaching, um, you know, like media arts kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, And then I, you know, did that for a few years. There may be a reason why we have similar backgrounds. Anyways. (laughs) Um, You know, and then I, uh, and then I wound up working in Detroit and here I am. Yep, um, and, and you work somewhat. At least, you know, you do film and, and, and stuff for a company. We don't have to talk about what company that is or nothing, right? But internal video for a company. I assume internal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it's 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 different, right? It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot different because you know I do you know I, I do a lot of things for 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 my for the company I work for, and uh, uh, and I do some video. I do some. I do a bunch of different things, and one of the things I'm in charge of is is uh, is inventorying gear and keep a track of it, mm-hmm. uh, almost like an internal rental house to a very small degree. And my MOS uh, was a box kicker; I was a warehouse guy. Yeah, and it, it, it just feels really different. And sometimes I will fall. Oh, I'm falling off camera. Is what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> But sometimes I'll fall into one of those things. It's like, all right, I'm going to do it this way because some idiot's going to steal this. No, I actually trust the people in this company for the most part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unlike idiot Marines, um, yeah. which will steal all your toilet paper because they can't afford it. Um, 
I don't know if that's funny or sad or a little bit of both. It, uh, it sounds like a little bit of both, but <laughs> I, I still have a key on my key ring that will allow me to get into a lot of fast foods, uh, uh, um, um, TP dispensers. Um, I just became a habit having on my keychain. I don't use it, obviously. I haven't used it in years, but I still have one. Well, now I'm just curious, like, what Marines did you know that couldn't afford toilet paper? Maybe anyone I'm, with a new car and why they bought anybody below E2 or below that that oh that God. had a that for some reason bought a brand new car, you know, and buying a mil and and a tattoo every other week and have the newest gear. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I was also in 01 to 05, so if someone had a computer, they they threw down some money for that. Mm, yeah. So I think I actually came in right after you. I was 06 yeah. to 11. Yeah. So, and and actually it's funny that uh you mentioned being a warehouse clerk because uh uh my recruiter specifically mentioned warehouse clerks when he told me about this job. Because you know, for the longest time, like I turned down every other branch when they cold called me because I had no desire to join the military at all. Mm -hmm. And finally the Marines called and I was being a little smart Alec with the recruiter on the phone. I was like, I don't want to die. And he was like, listen, buddy, I don't want you to die either. And I was like, oh man, he must really care about me. <laughs> little did I know. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, you want to play football? <clears throat> you can play football in the ring court. It's cool. Yeah, you just know. you know, it just won't be you know televised or paid for, yeah. or just be friends. So th that's what he told me. Uh, like <laughs> I told him, like I'm not going to sign this contract unless you can guarantee me this job. And he's like, look, the best I can do is the career field. You're going to roll your chances as to whether or not you get video or not. And I was like, all right, that's good enough. And he was like, but hey, you know, think about it this way: you're going to see like, you know. 100% more of the Marine Corps than anyone else who just signs up as like a warehouse clerk or motor pool or a mm -hmm. cook. And that's like, that's all you see is warehouses for four years. Whereas like it was basically my job to watch other people do their job. So I got to see a lot more of the Marine Corps than most people did. Yeah. And it was nice. Yeah, it's cool. Like I, I get asked like, hey, did you see any locals in Iraq or did you see that? No, nah, man, I, I just saw a lot of uh, shipping containers. Yep. A lot of shipping containers. Now, um, did, did you deploy overseas? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did two tours in the Iraqi theater. And I say theater because I was uh, the first time was mostly Kuwait. And that's when we invaded. Yeah. Now, did you have. Um, Still didn't see the movie. What movie? Whatever was playing at the theater. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> when you when you were overseas, uh, did you have third country nationals uh, guarding the chow halls? Um, not guarding the chow halls, but working in the chow halls. Okay, because when we were over there, like from '06 to '11, um, God, I don't remember where they were from. Uh, some African country. I don't remember which one. Um, but they had this word, jumbo. Okay. Yeah, and it, it was sort of like the uh, Hawaiian aloha. It was just sort of like a, a general hello. But, uh, you know, that was sort of like the joke is you would walk up to the chow hall and just 
yell jumbo and they'd get really excited about it that we knew that word and so they'd be like jumbo sir jumbo so were they so were they serving food or were they guarding it? they were guarding they were huh. like standing out in like uh desert storm era camouflage uh with ak-47s and okay they were just guarding the channel D- different time before i got there yeah after you got there after excuse me yeah after after i came and gone yeah um yeah um i was actually in a different situation because like when i first got to camp pendleton where i was stationed um i was with first mlg uh first marine logistics group um and when it came time for the west coast to deploy um i got sort of transferred ptad orders over to uh one mef forward okay. so i went with the um expeditionary like headquarters element and our unit was like a hodgepodge. We had two guys from division, two guys from the air wing, um, at least one person from, uh, it was me. I was the guy from the logistics group. Um, and that was it. Yeah. We so, you, so you're attached to uh, logistics? Yeah. So like, after. Like, like your whole, like as a, like a working party or like that was where your core command went that's where my core command was huh so i um i after i went to dinfos in maryland um then i got my orders to camp pendleton uh i was with clr 17 uh, okay i'm just curious what company would you be in in logistics like like what I mean, I know this is going back ways. I mean, I we, like when I was in MLG was still called FSSG. So, and I was in second FSSG. That's why I'm curious. It's like, let's you know, it was like no matter what battalion I was in, I'd, I'd be in an S four. Like, so what battalion is that in? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I don't even know either. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I ever knew. Um, I just knew that I was with. Um, well, were you with other like combat videographers, or are you by yourself? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so my unit, my first unit, I was with First MLG, and we had a gunnery sergeant as our staff and CO. Uh, we had two corporals, a sergeant, and two lance corporals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the the unit grew and shrank as people came and went, um, and then when it came time to deploy. I went over to one MEF and the, the headquarters. Right, you were in COM, weren't you? Like communications group? Were you attached to like communications group or? Okay, so CLR 17 had a communications battalion, right. but we were not under their okay. command. I'm just trying to figure out where, where <laughs> like, I, man, I don't where would know. these guys be hiding out? <laughs> I, I don't know because, like, at every other unit, mm-hmm. the combat camera was part of. Um, I thought I think it was S one. That makes sense. Like the like the admin thing when I never see it. Yeah. The only people I see from S one are the people signing my leave papers. Yeah. So, so, so I think we were S one, but don't quote me on that. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I just so when, whenever I hear someone's in the group, they're not they're not combat <laughs> unless they're a combat engineer or something or motor pool that gets roped in something, but they're not grunts. I think the term group actually comes from much higher up in the command, uh, mm-hmm. like Pentagon level, when they're trying to determine, like, okay, what do we call, you know, all the logistics personnel? 
They call them a group. You know, just like the first, you know, a group division. of idiots. Yeah, yeah, pogues. Yeah, they're all pogues. Yeah, basically. I don't mind being a pogue. <laughs> Dude, I met some hardcore motivated pogues. Like, oh, especially, absolutely. especially the water dogs. Oh, get out, get out of here. <laughs> get, leave. Leave. No, I'm okay. serious. I, I, I never got uh, um, Terminal Lance. I don't know if you ever read the. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I need to get Max on here. One of these <laughs> millenniums. Hopefully, I can get Max on here. But I want to know what his beef with the water dogs are. But that's been, I had very little interaction with them. But reading Terminal Lance, if you're military, read Terminal Lance. It's hysterical. It's amazing. Um or if you want to cry, go buy his books. Um, oh, does he have more than one book? Um, I, I know he has White Elephant or no, White, White Donkey. White, White Donkey. Dude. And I think he has another one too now. That White Donkey book. Oh, that that tore me up, man. I I read it once. Yeah. And then I put it down, and I was like, I can't touch this again. Yeah. I th I thanked my wife for the gift, and I was like, thank you. It's a lovely gift. I never want to touch it again. <laughs> very, very heart wrenching because he gets so much of it right. Like, At least you remember. I, I I did the same thing with a Kurt Cobain graphic novel. Yeah, uh, I think it was like Fallen Angel or something. I don't remember the title, and all I remember was that I very much enjoyed it. And I and uh, when I was packing up my apartment, my girlfriend's going through stuff. It's like, oh, what's this? Like, oh, it's, I just remember it being very very good. So she read it, and then she comes out just just bawling. Like, mm -hmm. how did you suggest this to me? Mm -hmm. You know, just just bawling her eyes out. Like, that's right. It is really sad. I can't believe I forgot how sad it was. I just remember, like, <laughs> but in, yeah, White Donkey's very similar experience. In the in the first like page or two, mm -hmm. it opens up with like a group of Marines like smoking cigarettes, waiting for formation, and then their staff and CEO comes up and just like knife hand in the face, like <laughs> yelling at them, like devil dog this and leatherneck that. And then I just closed it, looked at my wife, and I was like, this is like 100% accurate. Like this is, this was my life for now, five years. Now, were you familiar with uh, the uh, with uh, author before you got that as a gift? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I read it while I was in the service. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know he came after. For, uh, for me, I don't. I, yeah, I, I forgot when he started, but yeah, he came after. I I was, I was leaving the military right when he was awarded the contract to be printed in uh, the Military Times. Right. So just as I was on my way out the door, he started getting regularly circulated in like the Marine Times. So you could just you could go to the PX, pick up a local copy, and then. You know, turn to page 37 for the Terminal Lance. Company. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we're way off topic. Um, <laughs> way off topic. <laughs> oh, it's more fun topic, though. Um, did you do any new stuff after you got out? New stuff? Yeah. You ever try to work for the news? I interviewed for a sports uh, broadcasting cameraman position. Um, and I didn't get the job because part of the interview process was, uh, like a test about like sports knowledge and stuff like that. And if it's not like American football, I don't know. They wanted a fan. I don't know that they wanted a fan so much as they wanted someone who knew like what it was if the sports caster said like, Hey, there's a three point foul or something like that. 
mm-hmm. so that you know instinctively like where to point the camera. That makes sense. Which I did not. I would just say, am I going to hear the sportscaster in my ear? Uh-huh. Or am I listening to the sportscaster or my director? I don't know. I didn't get the job. <laughs> <laughs> I've never interviewed for a sports job. I mean, I mean, there's that's a whole different thing because there's a lot more. You, know, you could freelance for for parents for sports jobs forever yeah. in a day. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an easy 50, 60 bucks just to edit a highlight rare that someone else just recorded of their son. That's that's an easy sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, inside the point. And it's also an easy 50 bucks to just start recording games for archive footage. But then again, it's only 50 bucks with your own with your own camera and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly going to pay the bills. No, no, <laughs> no. But then again, if you have the extra time, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I never did anything exclusively with the news. I want to know something really fun that you filmed or something fun that you covered. Because there's got to be time to record something. Command calls, goes, what the heck am I listening? What am I looking at? Come on, Root. What am I looking at? What's the root of what you recorded? Dude, <laughs> I can tell you some stories. Okay, so after, God, I don't know, maybe six months in theater, um, we got new directive from uh, the Pentagon, mm-hmm. um, which said, which basically said that no footage was useless. So their their philosophy was, you could literally document anything, and it was historical archived proof of like lifestyle at that time. So nothing was off limits. You better turn that off in the Porta John. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so <laughs> I'm sure somebody did, but it wasn't me. Uh, so I remember, I, like, I took that to a T. And when I came back uh, to the garrison, um, I remember I went out to the field with somebody. I don't remember where. Um, and I just propped up my camera, like, on a tripod. And I started asking Marines. I was like, hey, why would you join the Marine Corps? Because, you know, that's the one question that everyone's going to have an answer to. Yeah, and, and I was told at some point while in boot camp, have an answer to this question and have an answer to this question this question. Because mm-hmm. I was actually interviewed. Maybe, I don't know if that hap- everyone got that, but I, w- I was actually interviewed um, by more than one reporter while I was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was in boot camp, or while I was in boot camp. I was in boot camp uh, during 9-11. So um, I actually, you know, uh, that was actually my first official day of training, actually. Nice. um, was 9-11-01. So we got interviewed a couple times by by different uh, publications. So that was something the drill instructors kind of pulled to the side. And like, okay, I'm putting down my drill instructor hat. Let me give you some real, you know. Real talk. Some real talk about what's about to happen. Yeah. So I remember vividly, I asked this guy, I don't remember his name, but I remember he referred to himself in the third person as Kmart. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. Well, he's out of business. Yeah. So so I asked him this question. I was like, hey, dude, uh, why'd you join the Marine Corps? And he was like, you know, I was just sitting at home one day and I said to myself, Kmart, you haven't had enough bad experiences in your life. Why don't you go join the Marine Corps? <laughs> And everyone around us just starts cracking up. It was like, yeah, that's about right. 
Yeah. Um, I think my see. answer, uh, my answer for non for people for non journalists was, and it still is. I had nothing better else going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which people usually, which I did say to a journalist once, and they write, "Thank you for your honesty." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'll do you one better. Yeah. My non journalist answer: I was trying to impress a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. I had a crush on this girl I liked uh-huh. in high school, and she was all crazy about Navy dudes, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to join the Navy, so I was like, I'll do you one better. I'll join the Marine Corps. Never even crossed my mind that by joining the Marine Corps, I was guaranteed to never see her again. <laughs> not even... Nope. Not, not even, like, right before you're going off to boot camp. Nothing. Nope. Just never saw her again. Mm. So yeah. as as far as, like, weird stuff that I filmed. Uh, I was once thrown by a helicopter and I recorded it. So I have to make this distinction. I was not ejected from a helicopter. I was on the ground and the downforce of the propeller wind picked me up and threw me. Were you wearing a seatbelt? No, I was on the ground. So here's what happened. This was- Oh, so you're standing on the ground as the helicopter was landing. No, okay, let me me tell you. So. This Paint was, me a picture. I came back from overseas to uh, a different unit than the one I left, including a brand new uh, PFC. And my corporal had told this new PFC, hey, you need to be proactive in finding work to do if we don't have any jobs you know, in the pipeline. And so he made friends with uh, someone in his barracks that worked uh, for the landing support team. They're the guys that... Uh, stand underneath helicopters and hook up equipment so that helicopters don't have to land. So it's it's a very oh yeah they, they they're the ones with like the red patches on their. Um, well, Motorpool does the red patches too, but I know who you're talking about because yeah. I got because I you know as a supply guy they picked up some of my gear before yeah, yeah we put on the big metal pallet and they come by and they hook it all up and and they go. Yeah, so he lines up a photo shoot with. Um, uh, their um, unit, whatever it was, they were going out um, to a range at night to compare and test uh, the Chinook helicopters with the Ospreys to see which one they wanted to take to Afghanistan. Um, <clears throat> so we went out there, and of course they gave us the warning, the safety briefs, don't get too close to the helicopters, all this trash. Keep and, your cover <clears throat> off. Yeah. yeah, all that. And... You know, um, if you've ever used, like, night vision equipment with, like, an older, you know, camcorder, um, it, it makes it, it almost doubles in size. Like, it's big, bulky equipment. It's not um, very efficient, mm-hmm. um, at least for a video camera. For a, for a still camera, it's much lighter and easier. So I had just come back from overseas, and I was with this young PFC who was getting much closer to the action than I could with my film camera. Right. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, like, "Hey, I'm you know big salty guy. I'm not going to be upshone by this young buck." Oh no! So I inch just a little bit further, and of course, I can't. Like, I, I I'm right underneath this Osprey helicopter as it's hovering and coming in for a near landing, and it just keeps coming closer and closer and closer. And I freaked out because I thought this guy can't see me. He's going to land on me. He's going to crush me to death. I'm going to get chopped up by propeller blades. I freaked out, turned around and ran. 
And as soon as I turned around and, and took one step, I instantly felt the, the push of the propeller blade. And there was some guy on the ground doing like the signals you know, right. to the pilot. And I could see him try to reach for me, but he missed. And the very last thing my camera recorded was the horizon flipping. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, great. <clears throat> How many pieces was it in? I saved it. Okay. So I, good, I, I did, I did save you. it. Good I did save you. the equipment because it was expensive. And as my gunny told me, more valuable than I was. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what do they used to tell us? Uh, um, if you're doing anything, you might get cut. Take off your, you know, take off your shirt because um, you have free medical. You have to pay for your shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember, like, I, I got a few days of like uh, convalescent leave, uh, you know, or whatever they call it for injuring yourself, uh, you know, stupid leave. Uh, I remember my commanding officer came to uh, my barracks room. Um, you know, to, to apologize for what happened. Uh, I guess they felt guilty about me getting hurt. So I didn't get in trouble for it, but he did thank me for the video. He said, no one's ever gotten that close to a helicopter before. And it did provide us, you know, just an inkling more of information. <laughs> and don't do that again. Yeah. And don't do that again. <laughs> like, dude, man, safety, man, safety, safety. Yeah. <laughs> I was also, um, I didn't record this, but another funny story, um, my commanding officer at my last unit, uh, full bird colonel, uh, threw me over a, a wall while we were doing mount training. So after I got back from overseas and I went back to the first MLG, um, I had just enough time left for one more transfer to a unit but not enough time to deploy. So they sent me to base combat camera, which is a non-deployable unit, and was basically just serving out my term there. Mm -hmm. And so because I was at a deployable unit, I just transferred from one to the other. I didn't turn in any, any gear or anything. So I still had, like, sappy plates in my body armor, whereas other Marines did not. Huh. So, you know, I was I had, like, 120 pounds of gear on, compared to some other guys who had, like, 75, 80. You knew you could took those sappy plates out. No one pointed that out to me. Ah! And I, I know it seems stupid. I, I was I know in there during stupid. the uniform change. So, so, like, I learned all about the sappy plates, and then overseas I was actually, we were actually, like, the deployment ISSA, so if you had an mm -hmm. issue. So we had all the extra stuff. Um, so, you know, I know someone that has amazing paintball uh, pads, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I was. Why do you need sappy plates for paintball? Uh, why not? Because um, <laughs> paintballs hurt too. <laughs> so there I was in Mount Town, full mm -hmm. combat gear, sappy plates, and everything. Okay, so people that don't know, just just. just Real quick, sappy plates are these big heavy metal plates that go inside like their vests. They're not bulletproof vests or nothing like that. They're they're just there to protect you if you get thrown around while in a vehicle. Well, and then you put the sappy plates in, which can stop um, a bullet. So they're big heavy uh, uh, metal, you know, not, not metal, but they're ballistic, whatever things that you put inside your thing. That's why, you know, anyways, they make your flak jacket a little more bulletproof. Anyways. Yeah. Big and heavy things. Yeah. Bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were doing mount training, military operations and urban terrain um, for a non-deployable unit. I don't know why. Because <laughs> they're bored. 
Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So we were uh, practicing bounding over walls, right? And, of course, being combat camera, we were there to not only go through the training but also document it uh, for the commanding officer who was there. I don't know. It was a big mistake. So I'm sitting there. Uh, I I'm, love <clears throat> running through obstacle courses with the camera because if I stop and take a break, nobody, nobody – gives me a second look, a second glance. Or if oh. I take a vehicle to the next shot. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean not even a second glance. Um sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Yeah. So um so I was documenting, I was watching everyone else bound over this wall. Mm -hmm. We get done, I start packing up my camera, and somebody shouts out, Combat camera didn't do it. And I was like, oh you son of a mm. so of course, the commanding officer, full bird colonel, is there, and he's just like, all right, come on, Root, let's do it. And he's like, I'll, I'll even, uh, you know, prop up for you. So he grabs, it's got to be like the smallest Marine there. Like, I'm not kidding. He was, this guy was probably in his uh, early 50s, right? He was not a spring chicken, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but he was also, you know, muscly you know he's right. built like a marine um and he picks this little asian dude like half his size okay and these are the two guys that i in like i'm, I'm probably 250 pounds at this point with all my body armor on and it's little asian guy full bird colonel and i have to crawl on these two to get over the wall right so i look at him and i'm like Sorry, Asian dude. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm climbing all over him, not touching the colonel. And the colonel's like, come on, Root, get over there. And he grabs my ankle and like throws me over the wall. <laughs> and I was not expecting it. Yeah. So I put out my arm to stop me on the other side. Oh, come on. I'm serious. Bent my elbow the opposite direction. Yeah. I didn't break it. I just hyperextended it. Man, what do you do? Miss your McMap classes? You gotta know how to fall. <laughs> well, McMap Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. I was also holding. <laughs> I was holding the camera in oh. one hand, so it was like I can't go. I can't go yeah. down. I can't go down on my right hand, or I'll dislocate my shoulder. Right. So, and I can't go down on my face because that's the money maker. <laughs> <laughs> so I put my left arm out and hyperextended uh, my my elbow. And they just they just took me to the naval hospital, knocked me out, and snapped it back in place. <laughs> At least they knocked you out. That was nice of them. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, my, like, my sergeant was there at the time uh, I came to, and she was like, uh, hey, don't ever take anesthesia again because you talk. <laughs> 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 and I was like, what did I say? And she was like, nothing appropriate. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's interesting. <laughs> yep. So let's see. Ejected from a helicopter, thrown over a wall. Um, man, I don't know. I saw a lot of cool stuff. Um. I don't know. What else do you want to know? Um, oh, let's just get one more story. Um, you ever work with any uh, any other military, any international? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so because we were with a headquarters element, uh, we did work with um, uh, 
military personnel from other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember specifically there was this one British guy. Um, oh, please say he's Scottish. The Scottish were no, the most was, fun. No, English. Okay. English. Okay, because all um, my crazy stories stem from the Scottish. <laughs> no, he, he, was, he was actual English. I don't okay. remember where he said he was from. Um, but I just remember, and this was actually coming back. So once we once we came back and they they sat us down for like a a three hour brief about basically what's changed while you were gone, mm-hmm. right? And one of the new laws enacted was uh, in regards to DWIs. Like you could be charged with driving under the influence of anything that impaired your ability to drive. Yep. And the British guy pipes up and. I'm sorry, I'm horrible with accents, but he says something to the effect of, he's like, so you mean to tell me that if I were diabetic and I ate a box of donuts, (laughs) I could be charged with driving under the influence of donuts? (laughs) And and the Marine was like, "Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And and his response was like, why did we let you become your own country? That's fantastic. Because you couldn't stop us. Yeah, because you couldn't stop us. That's why. Because we made the donuts. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where donuts come from. (laughs) Italian, maybe? I don't know. I'm not Googling that. (laughs) This has been the the history of donuts (laughs) with Adam and Scotty. And if you ever want to buy your supplies to make your own donuts and you're forced to shop on Amazon, I know a lot of people don't like to shop on Amazon, but if you do, or if you have to buy something on Amazon, you smiled on Amazon. What happens there is uh, it's the same thing. If you have uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it's still there and everything, exact same deal, exact same everything, except for you get to um, a little bit of what you buy goes to a charity of your choice. And, of course, here at Media Lair Sandwich, we're on DV Radio, so, of course, we support their charity of the DV Farm, which, if you don't know anything about DV Farm, go ahead, go look it up. It's a fantastic charity. It's a rehabilitation and homeless shelter. Um, very limited beds. Nice. But it, it's, it's, it's for the people that uh, the normal rehabilitation programs, it, it's for the people the VA don't want to send through no more. Mm. Um, that's the people they want. Okay. Um, and it's just a fantastic program. If people want to look that up, dvfarm.org. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I obviously use Smile on Amazon, and a portion of my uh, purchase goes towards DV Farm at no uh, extra expense to anyone. So it's just like an affiliate program, except for it goes to a charity instead. And they have tons of charities. Um, but you nice. Know, that's ours, dvfarm.org. And they're not a sponsor, but, you know. Go check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where was I going with this? Okay, I so I was closing out. <laughs> where, um, if you want people to find you, I don't know if you do. I don't want people to find me. You don't want people to find you. Okay. I, I am an enigma wrapped in a riddle. So no Twitter, no public no. Instagram. Mm-mm. Really? So, no. you, like, you don't. Uh, every all your creations are your own now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know you and I were talking briefly about this before the show, but I mean, if if I express myself creatively nowadays at all, uh, it's through writing. Like okay. I I write, 
Um, you know, occasionally I'll, it's mostly just short stories. Occasionally I'll do like a script or a screenplay. Um, but that's it. Yeah. You know? Nothing public. No. Okay. So if you have any questions for him, feel free to get a hold of me at podcast at com or on the Facebooks, um, Twitters, the or Instagrams, or YouTubes. YouTube is good. YouTube.com slash Toad and K. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Remember, there is a Patreon. Although the best way to, if you can't afford a Patreon, the best way to show support is by sharing, telling people about this. And uh, I'm on TV radio.net every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard zone, Time Zone. I drank too much wine. Um, no, I didn't. I need more. Um, <laughs> no such thing as too much wine. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed our discussion. And may the algorithms be in your favor. I know they're not in mine. Not mine either. <laughs> <laughs>